While the Lord was being carried from the throne to the car, King Pratapurutra first engaged in the Lord's service by cleansing the road with a broom that had a golden handle. Chandanjalate Kore Patavi Sechane Tutsha Sevan Kore Bosri Raja Singhasane The king sprinkled the road with sandalwood scented water. Although he was the owner of the royal throne, he engaged in menial service for the sake of Lord Jagannath. Uttamahayaracha Kore Tutsha Sevan Although the king was the most exalted, respectable person, still he accepted menial service for the Lord. He therefore became a suitable candidate for receiving the Lord's mercy. Mahaprabhu Sukha Pailo Sei Seva Dekite Mahaprabhu Kripahailo Sei Seva Haite Upon seeing the Lord King engaged in such menial service, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became very happy. Simply by rendering this service, the King received the mercy of the Lord. Report. Unless one receives the mercy of the Lord, he cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead or engage in his devotional service. <coughs> Atapite deva padam bujan vaya prasadat leshanu pehinahe vahi janati tatvang bhagavan mohim no nachanya eko pi chiram dichinyan. Only a devotee who has received a small fraction of the mercy of the Lord can understand him. Others may engage in theoretical speculation. To understand the Lord, but they cannot know anything about Him. Although Maharaj Prataparuva was eager to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Lord refused to see Him. However, when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw the King engaged in menial service for Lord Jagannath, he became very happy. Thus, the King became eligible to receive Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. If a devotee accepts Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the universal guru and Lord Jagannath as the supreme personality of Godhead Krishna, 
He is benefited by the combined mercy of Krishna and Guru. That is stated by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his instruction to Rupa Goswami. CC Madhya 19.1521. Guru Krishna Bhakti The seed of devotional service fructifies and becomes a transcendental creeper. Finally reaches the lotus feet of the Lord in the spiritual sky. The seed is obtained by the mercy of the Lord and the Guru. By the Lord's mercy, one gets the association of one of Guru. And by the mercy of the Guru, one gets a chance to render devotional service. Devotional service, the science of bhakti yoga, carries one from this material world to the spiritual world. Everyone was astonished to see the decorations on the Ratkar. The car appeared to be newly made of gold and was as high as Mount Meru. Report in the year 1973. There was a gorgeous Rathyatra festival in London, England, and the car was brought to Trafalgar Square. The London Daily newspaper, The Guardian, published a front-page photo caption. This gun Rathyatra is rival to the Nelson column in Trafalgar Square. Unquote. The Nelson column is a very impressive statue of Lord Nelson. It can be seen from a good distance. As the, just as the residents of Puri compared the Rathyatra car to Spong Sumeru, the residents of London considered the car rival to the Nelson Monument. Hariyom <coughs> Tatsad. Let's end the verses from 15 to 19. End the. 14 chapter, 13 chapter, Mavi Leela, Chaitanya Chaitanya Leela. Maharaj wanted to get audience with Lord Chaitanya, but he was refused. Because Lord Chaitanya said that he didn't want to meet a king because kings were materialistic people enjoying too much sense gratification. Since he was a renowned sannyasi, it won't be good association for him. <clears throat> this is also instructing the devotees that they have to be very careful about their association. Obviously, Lord Chaitanya wouldn't be affected no matter who you associated with. But he wanted to instruct people that they have to be careful about the association they keep and associating with materialistic people. <coughs> it can have a detrimental effect on spiritual life. Sometimes when the students go to school, college, university, they get into bad association 
sometimes in the workplace, sometimes different situations, relatives. If there are people that are pulling very strongly to not do devotional service and simply do materialistic activities. So this uh, is very detrimental to one's spiritual progress. One wants to have a good association with people who are spiritually inclined. At least a very negative association one should want to avoid. So Pratap Rudra Maharaj, although he was a pious king, but he got categorized as a gross sense gratifier. And he was deprived of what Chaitanya's mercy. So he became so frustrated because he said, hey, there's only one person in the whole kingdom who can't see Lord Chaitanya is him. <coughs> and what he wants most of all is just to get some association with Lord Chaitanya. But he's not allowed to. So at one point he said, what's the use of being a king? What's the use of living? <laughs> like it's like a curse. I'm not able to see Lord Chaitanya. Maybe I should take my life. So Ramananda Rai presented this whole scene to Lord Chaitanya that he's actually a good king. So well, I won't see him. Okay, but don't see him, but at least give him some kind of mercy that he feels there's a hope. Otherwise he's uh, so depressed He's becoming suicidal, and it will be very harmful for the kingdom of he commits suicide. So then uh, Lord Chaitanya called his son over, the prince, and uh, gave him some mercy, gave him one of his charters, gave to his father. Actually, Lord Chaitanya put Pratavrutamaraj in an absolute most separation, like a special mercy. Deprive him. Sometimes Krishna allows us to have his audience and sometimes he keeps us distant. So that puts us in separation, and that separation means our attachment even stronger. So that strong attachment binds one to Krishna more. If you can say that Prataparuta Maharaj, he was developing so much strong attachment for Lord Chaitanya. <clears throat> when he actually do this humble service of sweeping the road. I guess because now it's democracy, we're used to seeing our leaders do everything. But when it's a monarchy, absolute monarchy, then they don't, the kings, you know, they, they don't do much uh, menial stuff. Everything's done for them. They're supposed to simply think for the state interest. Of course, there are heads of state, they don't also do too much. Occasionally they do something. <clears throat> Yesterday, the Lord Mayor was uh, sweeping for a long time. <laughs> he was really into it. <laughs> I remember in uh, South India once we had uh, Vice President of India come to our function in Bangalore. And it was announced that, uh, he, that uh, by the President there that uh, it's the custom in Puri of the kings to sweep the road before Lord Jagannath. 
So request the Vice President of India to hang and do the same. But the Vice President surprised everyone when he stood up and he announced that we are now a democracy and we don't imitate the monarchies. Therefore, I refuse to sweep the road before China. So all the newspaper people are writing, <laughs> and I was like, wow, was like, the president didn't know what to do. He was totally flabbergasted. Somehow the Krishna gave me an idea. And I stood up and I gave an announcement that, okay, now India is a democracy. It's government of the people, by the people, for the people. So now, the people are the monarchs. They are the rulers. And they elect and select their representatives to govern the country. So I request all the people here present as the two monarchs of this democracy and republic to sweep the road. And as the leader of the people, I request the Vice President, the senior most leader of the people present today, to be the first one to do it. <laughs> so then he was, put the ball back on his foot. <laughs> he couldn't think how to get out of that. <laughs> but he, he, he swept the road for a microsecond. I never had anybody hold the broom less time. Just like, <laughs> and it was out of his hand, you know. It just <laughs> Maybe because he was a Brahmin or something, he didn't want to touch up the broom. I don't know what was his trip, you know. Next day in the headlines, it came Vice President of India refuses to sweep road before God. <laughs> the Deccan Chronicle is unpublished. In India. Which one? <coughs> so, <laughs> even for this man, I don't know what was his thing, but it was a big issue. You know, he didn't want to, he didn't want to sleep. And uh, there was uh, historically in Jagannath Puri, when <coughs> when uh, Indra Dumna Maharaj, he used to do this same of sleeping. So the pandas down there tell history that in the beginning there was one neighboring king who was uh, uh, supposed to give his daughter to Nidumna Maharaj. That's to say the least, <coughs> you know, lowest of the social taking order. So I sent a message that my daughter won't marry a sweeper. So then the Dumna Maharaj took it that this is an insult against Jagannath. He's not sweeping the road, municipal sweeper, he's sweeping, he's tumbling himself before the Lord. And they went on a big, so they declared war against that king, and defend the honor of Jagannath. So their whole army was marching against the other army, and they're going to meet in some place for a fighting. On the way, there was a lady selling yogurt. An old lady, village lady selling yogurt, and uh, 
she saw two young uh, generals, princes, riding on horses came by and they said, how much for the yogurt? We want some yogurt. He says, well, you have to pay me so much. Says, we don't have any money. <coughs> give us the yogurt king, uh, Indraduna is coming. You can give him this uh, ring and then he'll reimburse you for the yogurt. She said, okay. The people were so honest then. If somebody got a gold ring, who's going to give it to get you know, a few pints of spice up for the nowadays? You know, <laughs> that'd be it. Right? <laughs> but she was such an honest lady that she asked, she's supposed to give the ring to the king and then get what she was due. She didn't want to take more than what she was due. She's trying to see the king, but people say, We can't see the king. Who are you? You're just somebody listening. No, I have to give the king this ring. You know, I have to get my money. And the king, what's going on? Bring it over. And she said, two of your princes uh, came and they gave, uh, <coughs> they took my yogurt and they gave me this ring and said that if I give you, you pay me for the yogurt. So let me see that ring. When he got the ring, he almost fell off his uh, chariot. So this is Jagannath's ring. What did these two princes look like? Some was very dark color, kind of bluish tint, riding on a white horse. The other one was white color, riding on a gray horse. The one with the dark color had a peacock feather in his hair, and the other one had a white feather. <laughs> so then the news came to the whole army that Krishna and Balaram had come and given their blessings. So then they knew they're going to be victorious. Because more you never know what's going to happen. So then after this, the whole thing was worked out. Finally, they didn't have to fight when they were facing each other. And then somehow the thing was negotiated. <clears throat> so such a big issue. So this uh, tradition was being followed by Pratapurudra. But before Krishna is sweet. And here, somehow Lord Nair got inspired in this video. Actually, the king, even then, I saw him pour, he does for about five minutes. This did was because he humbled himself before Krishna that impressed Lord Chaitanya. Then Lord Chaitanya was inclined to give him mercy. By doing seva, we can get the more mercy. And then we can see how Prabhupada, he was very happy over the London Rathyatra and uh, we used to go to Trafalgar Square. For many years we were going to Balsi Park, Balsiya Park. Battersea. Battersea. Battersea Park. 
<clears throat> but now since the past two years, they're going back again to Trafalgar Square. And uh, Prabhupada liked that. They were comparing here that the, from the ground it looked like the rats were like compared to Mount Sumeru. <clears throat> In London they compared to the Nelson Monument. So here are rats. It was towering <clears throat> because of Mr. Jane's able stewardship. Somehow the rats could squeeze through the narrow streets and that's smashing the car. <laughs> so like this, if we want to please the Lord, uh, it's not so difficult, we should do something. We can get Lord Chaitanya's mercy if we do something to serve Krishna. We should think what in our life we can do something for Krishna. Or how we can regularly do some service to Krishna. Without difficulty. We can get Lord Chaitanya's mercy. Lord Chaitanya gives his mercy very freely. At the same time, if one really wants some higher blessings, we shouldn't expect just a total freebie. We should be willing to do something for the Lord. We got the opportunity of devotional service, but what are we going to do with it? It's like somebody gives you money. Say your father gives you some money. You must see how you use it, how you invest it, how you use it wisely. Sometimes in a rich family, you see how the ch children are being responsible to see that they won't squander all the hard-earned wealth of the parents when they inherit their So we're all children of Krishna, so we all inherit a little bit of mercy. But before we can cash in on that, the Lord wants us, He gives us some mercy and sees how we use it. Gives us a devotional service. Now how do we use that freedom to do that service? So doing devotional service is the greatest mercy. Because when we do service to Krishna, that is an opportunity to become really intimately united with Him. Connected to Him. And uh, then through that connection, we can transcend all kinds of obstacles and we can achieve his perfection. <clears throat> I'll leave some extra time for question and answers today. She has to go to work, she gets first chance. <coughs> Anyone have a question? Yes, particularly we see Krishna consciousness is more welcomed in other countries except India, but recently in other Krishna born in India. Krishna is more welcome in other countries, more than in India. 
In India. in India, you have to organize things in a really big way, and they get the, if you don't do it in a big way, then you don't get so much. Well, that way, maybe in the West, even if you don't do things in a very big way, still people <coughs> are attracted and Here it's very new in the West, but not so much new anymore. It used to be very new. Initially it was like selling hot cakes or something. And everybody, all the young people were interested. Now it's not so easy. religion and uh, or it has to do with God. You get a certain number of people who are uh, negative to that. So rather you find in India that uh, some people, they know that, well, this is to do with God. This is something with religion. So they have preconceived uh, prejudices. Where sometimes in the West they don't really know what it is, so they're just like curiosity to find out. So that's an advantage. But then it depends on how you present it to people, whether they'll continue, <coughs> continue to pursue it. <coughs> Other thing Prabhupada said is that in the West, yeah. if people don't have any contact with Krishna consciousness, they haven't committed any offenses. Where in India, says someone's on a lot of contact, they committed many apparatus to gurus and Krishna. And just like some of the modern cinema, though, they always like to spoof Godmen and spoof avatars and make fun of them. So all these things are offensive and they cover and they, they are blockages in their spiritual progress. So people who've already been exposed to offensive statements. <coughs> They have a harder time to uh, surrender to Krishna than someone who's just coming fresh and doesn't have such a contact, offensive uh, contact. But then after Krishna comes has been around for a while, the people get a chance to make offenses. Everybody is present in France, in the Western world, everybody is present in so we exactly don't need to be under any consciousness, like Krishna conscious or something. It's there in the family. We're born that way. 
here and how to make it, you know, 21st century UK standard <laughs> with the Indian touch culture. <clears throat> Thank you. What facilities and what, no, what the time a person walks in the door, what they see, what they do, where they go, how you receive people, how you sitting, reception, programs, the time after where they take prashana, where they wash their hands, what you know, all <clears throat> plan out the whole thing so that it's completely uh, organized in such a way that people get the best possible use and impression. In America, they did a study of all the religious groups, and then uh, this one, I don't know who did somebody did a study, and they said different aspects. So they said philosophy, Krishna consciousness got number one. Best philosophy. And then they did a study about uh, dealing, friendliness, receptions, nice you know, personal care. And Krishna consciousness down the bottom. So other groups who don't have any philosophy, they don't have any proper idea of it, but they're really expert, you know, when they come in the door, welcome you, sit you down, treat you real nice, you know. And so they get the converts. Because the dealings are real nice. And people that don't, most people don't have the intelligence to go in what's actually the philosophy. These people treated me nice and you go to the Mormons, but they teach you so nice. And they tell about family, all the family together and everything. And so people convert and even hardly anybody knows what their philosophy is. They don't even believe in God. Their concept is something totally different. They have 
Kant said that, uh, like uh, Brahma, they believe in Brahma, that there's one universal creator in every universe, and if you, uh, and he produces all the progeny, creates all the living entities. They heard this from one angel, Gabriel, and he's the father of Jesus. And if you are a pious man in your life, the next life you can become one of these universal creators. Have your own universe, you can populate it, and in this way you can also become father of Jesus. So it's kind of, but who said, if you ask them who's the actual supreme above all these universal creatures, we don't know that it was not revealed to us. First impression, what you want to see? But what the people get, what they don't know, I mean, most people, if they knew all this, we, we, we went in there. <laughs> squeezed out from them. What's actually your philosophy? This is all nice smiles and the sweets and the sit down. You know what do you really believe? You know we kept pushing and pushing and pushing until finally we got it out from them. What they really believe? But most people, even they convert, they don't know what they believe. <laughs> they just know that they're family oriented and they treat you nice and you. They believe in Jesus. But they believe in Jesus as son of Brahma. Something like that. Or Maybe he is the Brahma's Pucha. Or something like that. <coughs> no, what does it make it? So we want to, at least that we have the greatest philosophy, but we should also treat the people in nice. One uh, professional, Peter Burwash, he's a Prabhupada disciple, uh, not initiated, but he accepted him like his under his shelter, but he never got uh, initiated. He's one of the famous uh, professional, uh, tennis professionals for training. He has uh, trainers all over the world. He's a vegetarian and has all his people. They have to sign a pact, no drinking, mm -hmm. and no, no, no non-veg. And he's really heavy, and once they drink, even once they just take a sip, out. But anyway, so this, he goes now and he mainly does seminars. He gets paid $5,000 a day to do seminars on service. The service industry is one of the biggest industries, it's not the biggest industry in the world today. So one time he came to Dallas, Texas for a North American uh, continental meeting with all the leaders and he had a seminar. He said, why should the hotels and airlines be famous for service? He said, actually, the Hare Krishna movement is dharma in service. The hotels and airlines should be coming to the Hare Krishna movement to learn how to serve their clients. That should be the, that should be the standard we should have. The whole world should be wanting to learn from us. But it's not like that, you know, unfortunately. When we say that our dharma is a, a titi narayan, a guest comes, he should be treated like God. If our gurus come, we treat them nice, maybe if, uh, if Krishna really walked in the door, hopefully we treat them okay, but they don't like <coughs> If we believe that any guest could be Krishna in disguise, do we treat all the guests as if it was Krishna in disguise? The Prophet said that every temple should have a puri, dough, in the morning and sabjis cooked. Whoever comes here, you sit them down, feed them hot puris right off the fire, right off the fire, with uh, Sabji. 
Has anyone in ISKCON got a hot Korean subject since Prabhupada said that? That was the standard Prabhupada wanted. We come in the temple and you get fed, you get dined, forget the other, you, know, you get China meted, you get all the nice treatments you will use, and they never want to, you want to always come back to that place. <coughs> So that's where so many small institutions uh, surpass because uh, we have developed that uh, culture. So now more and more devotees are, are, are learning. It's one of our congregational preaching ministries' uh, objectives to make our temples as places of pilgrimage for the congregation so that the congregation and visitors they see the temple as a home for them to come and visit and get some support. <clears throat> so there's many factors. There's some temples have very big buildings, but people don't feel at home in them. Mm -hmm. You know any like that, Sarvaji? Opulent temples where it's all commercialized. So the more that you can See how to be relevant to the people. Those big buildings attract masses of people, at India at least. My idea was, or my understanding was like in America or England or Europe, to build something really big costs so much money. And it still won't impress people because there's always someone something bigger in you know, the way path. Right? In India, a little, Prabhupada used a little bit of money to build some monuments. That, we're very impressive to people who don't have so many new modern religious monuments coming up. So it, it went a, a long way. But here, you, it's not so easy to do such a big monument. It costs millions and millions of dollars to build anything. Right? They built that uh, Millennium Dome and everything, the big flat. Even if you build something big, that's many people don't like it. So they have something that's uh, well organized. And they have the service side, outreach program, the dealings, whatever facility you have, it's neat, clean, nice, and then it's oriented to serving the people's, the devotees' needs. I think over the years, the manners done that a lot. They, they now they have so many programs for the weddings and some scars and house programs. They have a reception team, I think, when people come on the weekend. I'm not sure exactly. I think they've improved that a lot. So here in Birmingham, to see what your goals are, how to achieve. This is a, it was announced yesterday, the largest city in England. London, another category. So one series is the largest. <clears throat> this, is, this is quite a cosmopolitan city to a lot of different ethnic groups are here. Municipality is giving such support. I was surprised yesterday when I went into the 
parking lot of the Mississippi building there and they're blaring away Hare Krishna rap. The food for life there was blaring Hare Krishna rap and all oh, echoing in the building. And uh, they're cooking there. We want the municipal building lets you cook in their parking lot, you know, it's a big, you know, the karagis and everything, they're just cooking out there. <laughs> even in Calcutta, <laughs> they won't even let you, you know, you can't even cook in the park, but to speak of the municipal building, you, know, you have to find your own place and cook and bring it. So they get so cooperative here. Plus, they, I, I didn't announce it, you know, I didn't want other groups to uh, get envious. But they actually gave us two thousand pound uh, grant for the festival. Well, what municipalities that give money for such a festival? That's over a lakh and a half of rupees. What do you think? <clears throat> so that's a wonderful. Uh, one hour he was just enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> You could have, a, once a year, you could have some big banquet with all the town councillors, vegetarian banquet or something, you know, maybe further cultivate the relationship. <coughs> If you have big supporters that would uh, contribute for building a temple, maybe get some central land from the government. What schools they have. Or so I'm just saying here that there's one street was a dead street, and they just put a big convention hall, and now it's become the biggest street. Need some cultural, Krishna well, Kanthapaya cultural center. Central Birmingham. <coughs> have our Pandavasenas here very active. How to keep Krishna consciousness relevant and interesting for them? How to get them on the fire? I was talking to Raghunath, the lead singer of the Shelter Band. He said so many times they got to Young Straight Edge. Punk rockers uh, inspired them when they came and joined a temple. But they were like, with this, just like people uh, in was lecturing us, this is a revolution. We get the youth, you know, the whole vision of the spiritual revolution, change the world, make a difference. And join the temple, they handed some Romans, they cleaned the toilet, you know, cleaned the little. Nothing happening, no preaching, no. And so then they feel like, uh, what is my revolution? What am I doing? So we need to make everyone really see how we can play a part in changing the way people think. And think I want to thank uh, Ashok Jain and his family and friends for coming. He's one of our U.S. main supporter in Gohati Assam, and then he shifted to Calcutta and he's still supporting a woman there. He's a, he's a under my shelter also is active and all the way all practicing Krishna consciousness. So there we have a tour of the UK and I told them that they were going to leave on the uh, 9th I think and I told them we're having Rakyatra on 11th so they postponed their departure.
to attend this festival. What's your realization? I found that a uh, lot more can be done here. People are still at the Jigyasu stage here. Jigyasu, enthusiastically. And when I was speaking to a lot of people who came, mostly Punjabis and Gujaratis here, they said I am coming for the first time. So if what you said, people can go and uh, make small teams and go to houses, make a list of people who are enthusiastic. The two lakh uh, Indians staying here, I understand. 200,000 and uh, they really want this uh, Krishna consciousness, they were very impressed yesterday when I talked to people. They look forward, somebody has to go and then I think so a lot of activity yeah, can be done here. All, all supports is possible from this place, what I could grasp yesterday. Really, people are very, very keen. Very yeah. Very fertile land that way, Birmingham. <laughs> and I really enjoyed myself. She liked it very much. She also came from Calcutta. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was trying to get the Bhakti Vrsha to take off, and you came, but uh, it's working very well in other places. Just uh, where people don't have a mental block about it, yeah, it seems to work very well. Where people would start it and just say they have this idea that, well, it won't work here. So, like uh, in America, they say it won't work here because uh, it works in India because people are outgoing and and uh, their culture, so it works there. But in America, you know, we're more like uh, rugged individuals and we can't do anything in an organized way, so we have to do everything spontaneous. And nobody likes to follow any system. They come up with then in India, they say we can't do this. Americans can do it because they're like. Uh, we're outgoing people, we're actually, you know, we're kind of shy people and we don't like to... Everyone has their own vision of themselves and so everyone thinks that we can't do it, the other one can do it. And this is where they do it, it works. Because <laughs> they can kind of push it through the roadblocks. And uh, people find their own way of how to adjust a little bit to make it suitable to that place. <laughs> I was just in uh, Siberia. There's no temple there. Siberia, Russia, there's no temples. So one little house like this, in the middle, in Novosibirsk. And so every town they have hundreds of devotees, and they had a festival with 500 devotees, and uh, they're all enthusiastic, big kirtan. But I asked, how many live in the temple? One lady lifted her hand, sat in the Novosibirsk preaching center. Everyone else's congregation, but they're so fired up. Every city there has, uh, last year they had five or six bhakti rishas, this year they have 10 or 15. It's doubling every year, so it's exploding. In places, you, know, you won't hear these places. I mean, if I heard of 
Like Siberia, even in Russia, they consider it like, you know, in the world, Siberia is like the most out of the place, so very far from uh, anywhere. Just uh, it's like the steppes, flat land, and right, uh, wheat, wheat growing, and very few people. But in between, uh, like from one street to the next is six or twelve, ten hours drive. But in these cities, there's maybe half a million people, one million people. They're doing the bhakti mission, that's why we're working very well. There's no Indians there. It's all Russian people. <coughs> I don't see any Indians. And then if I remember also in some other places, uh, they're doing in, uh, in New Orleans, they're doing uh, bhakti mission, both Indian and American, and it's working quite well. Just getting the people to do it. And, uh, and some of our devotees from the uh, Middle East went to Toronto. In one year, they set up six groups. The president put the two of them on the board of the temple, so this is a really wonderful service. They do intensively every day house program, every day going out. Husband and the wife put the, you know, one takes turn watching the kids, they study, do their studies, the other one go out and do a program. For them, recreation means preaching. That's fun. It's not a burden. It's a burden of love. They love it. So it's, a, it's a giving a, a neutral opinion here. That this is a fertile ground. Two hundred thousand Indian community. So we did some intensive house programs, and that's why I brought up. Uh, Yesterday, Gokula, Devi Dasi, and her husband Chris to the stage and did the Anaprasana. I'd actually already done the Anaprasana, I did it again. <laughs> Just so that people, because how many Indian families do Anaprasana? Out of 200,000, I don't know, even 1% does it. So we can provide, you know, why only Indian family? Even the Western, uh, you know, there's so many. Why did they do it not that we're only for the Indians, but the Indians are, you know, obvious the market, and then we want to reach also the ethnic uh, other citizens here. I was saying how Krishna consciousness has a monopoly on one thing. We're the only religion in the world that has a system to offer uh, spiritual merit to departed relatives. The Buddhists don't believe in, uh, in, uh, in this... Uh, they don't, have, they don't believe in sacrifice, so they don't have that system. And other religions don't even believe in reincarnation. So it's not a question. So we're the only religion that believes that you can send spiritual merit to your forefathers through Srat. Yes. Now, everybody has relatives that die, and now most of the people in the world do believe in reincarnation, even though the religions don't accept it. But the people have already figured it out it's the only thing that makes any sense. So we have a monopoly. If we if we just advertise that service, so we will do a puja for your departed relative. We'll do a we'll do a you know market word it properly and say puja, but they wouldn't say puja. So we do a send spiritual merit, help a you know departed relative from some hellish existence in the next life. We're the only religion that didn't do that. We could, if you mark, whoever markets it first, you can have one center in every shopping mall. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Started, hey, I want my Uncle Pete to do a, here's a picture, you know, please do it. <laughs> Send him a gift, you know. He was a nice guy. <laughs> my grandfather. And if you do it, you're going to preach to all those people. I mean, this is so this is just showing you different ideas. Thank you, Archie. Did it go? Okay. What do you say? We go to Maya and we so, see, I spoke to Shiji Prabhu yesterday. So, you have met the weather yet? No. I went to London. Straight away, I went to Wales and then Scotland. Okay. So, that's I have a look. I see. Why could they go to the temple to for running an Amahat. We have an Amahat in Swindon, which is uh, about 80 miles away from here. The congregation has reduced quite a lot recently. And there's about six now. There used to be quite a few. It's about 20 even. A lot have gone, gone to the manor. Some have gone to Wales, some have just gone. Some have travelled India and done their own thing. Now there's about six of us left core members. Thing is, we all work, and like I've got a little daughter, and married, all of us are married. It's kind of difficult to find the time and preach. <coughs> well, Spike Six is good, they can have a bike eviction for me. And then there, so this breaker keep time and discussion, and then they discuss about the preaching. Sometimes you know invite some uh, charismatic preacher to come and do a program and advertise and all and get some new contacts that way. Lose that then and get to somehow you need to gather contact. That's one way of having some programs or just having house programs and just the people. And then from the house programs you tell them we have a regular weekly meeting. You make in the week that you have one day a week where you have your regular meeting of your core members. And then another day where you have for going out and preaching, probably, or if you have, depends how many people you have who are capable of doing different levels of preaching. There's a preaching where you actually go out and give a lecture and we go to Kirtan and talk to people, like house program. Then there's preaching just go visit somebody and talk to them. And I can understand that we should come by or invite them to come. So it takes a little more expertise to give a lecture than it does to visit somebody and talk to them. There's kind of two levels of basic preacher and advanced preacher. So if everybody schedules in a week, they get seven days, they make one day shopping, one day this, one day whatever, holiday day. One day for the Bhakti, for the Mount Hot meeting, another day for something in the outreach program. 
the thing you know, the addition of the figure that we release like and then that way <coughs> gather uh names and uh, you have a Bhakti Vrishna manual? Um I haven't but I can get them. Is there a talks about how to cultivate people? I uh, have a, like a, a Namahata guide that Krip Moya did and we published it on the internet. It's iskon.org.uk, which is another thing that we do. Publish website. There's a manual. Well, you you write the site when you write it on the We're trying to do um, we're trying we're trying to arrange a tra preacher's travelling guide where we ask the preachers like at the manor and so on to write down when they can be available throughout the year and then we issue that sheet to everybody and everybody you know will write down all the different lama hats or different <coughs> congregations will write down when they are available for a preacher to come and that way hopefully everybody knows when a preacher can come and where. That hasn't taken off yet. Just like Bhakti Pushatam Swami is visiting here and I heard a couple of days ago they had a house program with 100 people. Yeah. But somehow, if you get the 100 people who are interested, like to also have another program in their house or like to be more involved, somehow to get their names and addresses and the phone them up, visit them, call them up, organize the program. Mm. Or as they come, they go, mm. who came, who Daddy, are they? Mommy! Yeah, you lose the team. Mommy! Getting them contacts and then cultivating those self-become-committed members. Mm. Contact, cultivate, commit. Sometimes, Maharaj, what I find is that you can, you can get those interested, but they take so much of your energy to keep them interested. It drains my energy. Just keeping them interested. Some, some members we've had for like two years plus, and they still need your enthusiasm. They still need you to say, come on, let's go out here, let's go there. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm getting drained by telling those that they should know better by now. And this is a problem I find sometimes. Well, it's kind of also an expectation. It's like when you're cooking. What happened? I can stiff it off. You call it a work. Um, yeah, I don't need to be flat, but I can just do it on the paper. So, it's like you're cooking some Cook a spinach takes five minutes. Cook a sweet rice takes two hours. You got different things on different burners. If you see somebody's, you know, on the slow burner, and maybe you know, you give it a stir once in a while, and someone's, you know, really takes it out to give them more of your attention because they're gonna, they're gonna be if they they're gonna become more committed quicker and they're be able to in turn help to take care of other devotees. Sometimes you can have one person take help another person. So there's everything doesn't come on your head. Each one, teach one. Each one, help one. Okay, the mentor system. So then sometimes uh, when uh, another devotee who doesn't have that much to do, but 
if they become a mentor for another person that needs that kind of personal care, then uh, suddenly they get fired up that they have to stay on a higher level. Just discussing coming up with programs and uh, going out sometimes, uh, every four or five meetings, going out having a morning, having a picnic meeting, having a coming to the Rock Yacht in Birmingham, that one week one who manages a book table that does so. As a group, they do something. Mm. And that way, then, uh, become more exciting and interesting mm. for other people. That's what we do once a year. We, we invite Giri up and we do a big festival in Swindon if we can. What we do throughout the year, we collect the lottery together. And once we've got enough, then we'll invite the Hare Krishna Festival team over. And that way, the whole congregation, they do get fired up and put in posters up and preach in Kirtan and... That brings us all together. That yeah, so there's some things you can do that don't take a lot of money. You like going on a picnic on a Sunday, probably instead of everybody can cook for themselves, so you can just bring the same ingredients you cook for yourself. And, or everybody brings one prep and go out and eat it together in the park and have a little kirtan discussion. Just something different, a little bit, you know, it gets people, they see, you know, even bring all the families and everyone can. Has some program for the kids too. Seeing what they, you know, find out what the makeup is of the group. It's all the hashtags and students are nice. If there's some colleges, they do some college programs. You got find of the Sainas. Now we get under the same as the organized the front of the same branch of the world. If you want to keep in touch, I can help contain us also. He's our secretary of Congress for Pitching Ministry, he can give us some inputs. Is that so much? He's from Italy, he's my assistant with the congregational preaching. Is Krippenmoy also part of this? Yeah, he's our national uh, leader for UK. Right, because we keep in touch with him regularly. He's the main person to keep in touch with, but just in case you like something, he's just some ideas and things. We can tell you what's going around the world. Hi, Hi, Do you have a congregation preaching newsletter? You got email? Yeah. Get the journal? Um, we have the congregational newsletter is the only thing that we get. And we, I publish that on the iscon.org.uk website as well. So I get it from Crippenmoyer and I publish it on the website. So that Where were the scores? Sorry? It's in international. Oh, sorry, no, we don't get the international one. We just get the uh, local one, um, the national one. From Quibbermore. So we have an international one. Oh, no, we don't get that large. <coughs> You're late. You're late. Would you like it? Yes, please, Marge.
How did you come to um, your life? How did you come by? How did you come to this? What brought you there? Prabhupada's mercy. Guru Kripa, he came around. I was looking for the truth. Yeah, I understand. From Prabhupada, he gave a, impressed me and he gave a very clear explanation that I applied what he taught and it worked. That further increased the pain. It's been going on since then. Your name is? Karen. Karen. Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. Garrett. 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 Also, I'm quite interested in this thing about the cycle of rebirth. Pardon? You know, the cycle of rebirth. Is right. Um, and you, for instance, say if you accidentally do something which you didn't consciously plan to do, and you, you realise that, you know, that is another part of the cycle. Like, say I killed a fly by accident, a life, but it was an accident. And what? Does that go to my the cycle? Does that go to where I have to learn? Obviously, everything that's done according to what uh, if a person is an uh, Eskimo and they eat fish, it's not going to be as heavy as if you're ever living somewhere else and you have alternatives or other food stuff. Since there's five kinds of agyaktapap, unexpected kind of accidental sins that we hardly can avoid. Killing insects when we walk and clean the house and things when we sweep. And then when we breathe, we're killing microorganisms. When we cook, light the mixed paints. When we light uh, fire and cook. When we plow the fields. This kind of thing is hard to avoid. Uh, killing some little something, you know, maybe accidentally. Maybe not so much in England, but especially in India, where so everything's living. Maybe we're in some tropical countries, a lot more like insects and things. So that doesn't, it's not a major sin, but it's still a sin. When you're driving our cars now, sometimes the windshield wipers get filled with flies in the summer and smash against the car. Run over a squirrel or something. <clears throat> these are there, it's on our karmic record. So it says, in order to get rid of these type of unavoidable sins, you have to do sacrifice. The things you're not doing consciously, not intentionally doing, you really can't avoid it. It's, like, it's part of life. And there's things that we can't avoid, like eating meat. One has to eat meat.
What's your name, Hulu? Justin. Justin. You have a nephew up here. to a non-devotee, she will be forced by her parents to get married to a non-devotee. What should that devotee do? Sacrifice his celibacy and get married to, to the Mahajan. And from, from then, when he get married, then the whole family will gradually be brought into Krishna consciousness. Or should I, should, well, or should I be selfish? <laughs> should I be selfish and just think about my own spiritual gains? Well, Kumar Mansarabha says somebody who's of two minds, whether to be married or not, probably should be married. It's not so easy to be a lifelong celibate. And even as a grihasta, one can be celibate by regulating themselves. That's another form of celibacy, regulated sex life. To have children. To <laughs> so. Usually, if somebody's already has a partner and everything, it's before they. Usually, someone wants to be a lifelong celibate. They're already like living like a brahmachari in some ashram and practicing strict uh, celibacy and brahmachari life. Do that for some years, and then see whether they can think to do it, uh, to make a commitment to do it for a whole life. Because uh, theoretically it sounds real easy, but when you're actually doing it, it's a whole different thing. If you tell yourself, okay, even when someone who is a brahmachari, and then they have the idea that, oh, actually I'll probably get married. It's also not so much pressure on them, it's when someone makes the commitment that, at least in, in, internally to oneself, that I'm going to be a lifelong celibate. Then one gets attacked in so many different ways. It's like, if you say, 
And then I can eat greens today because it's a currency, you know, okay, one day no greens. But if you say, I'm not going to eat greens for the rest of my life, and, and wait a minute, what about those pakuras? What about the samosa? <coughs> Sweet rice? And all the, you know, wait a minute, it's going too far, you know. So, <coughs> sometimes people sentimentally, they make some kind of uh, idea, but it, it's something that shouldn't just be whimsically or very rashly thought, something someone should do gradually and, and, and test themselves and see whether that's what is made up. There's a... Uh, are we back online? No. Look inside the Yeah, I think so. Is it red? Does it say REC report? Yes. So it was recording all the time. Huh? It must have been recording all the time. <laughs> because there's a little red button in the back. Yeah, it's on. That's the one that stops and starts the ones mm. in the recording mode. And the ones on the top. Oh, yes, the I see. It. Mode. I see it now. I haven't had this, like this one. No, I don't know. Your name is Justin too. Mm -hmm. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> Jotty, they call me. Is there anything else you want personally? <coughs> Not those words, but whatever. You're probably a lot safer if you have a Krishna conscious partner. I wouldn't marry someone just because they may marry a karmi, but marry someone because they will practice Krishna consciousness with you together and help you to create a Krishna community. You work as a team, because marriage means a life team, life partner. But can, can you get married and uh, not have children? Or is children a must if you get married? Well, you can, have, you can try to have one child. You don't have to have 15. But if you don't want any children at all, is there any point in getting married? Well, the idea of you getting married is if you have mercy then. So, you know, what if you don't make it in your next life and everybody in the world wanted to do that? You want to get, give an opportunity to some soul to come in the world and uh, to be Krishna conscious. So you can do a very careful garbhada and samskara. We can try to give an opportunity to some spiritually <coughs> active soul to get a chance. There's no guarantee that I can see anything, but if you do, and if you don't want to have more, you can at least give one a chance. If, Because the idea is that you, otherwise, uh, if you don't go through the full experience in Grihastha life, then the idea is that 
you may later on look back and say, well, I missed out on something. And then, that may, and then if you feel like that, it may bring you back to another birth. The idea is that you'll experience what is material life, you'll experience what is the material pleasure, and then you'll also experience what's the higher spiritual pleasure. So then you don't look back. You don't have to worry. You know, you, I've already done that. I've been there. I have something better. But if you don't go through that, if you have strong enough faith, and if you're fixed up enough, and you're not attached, it's okay, also. But for most people, you know, they get this like midlife crisis, like, you know, I missed out on something. <laughs> you find 45-year-old people looking like, how to get married, and you know, when they should have done it when they were, you know, 30s or 20s. And uh, carrying a baby around at the age of 50, when they should already be renouncing. It's like, uh, even if it's not, you know, probably said like over 35, you start having kids. It's not fun even, uh, you know, when you're too old, you're more edgy. So. Uh, I don't know. You don't have the patience anymore to deal with it, like you would when you were younger. Where it's like, uh, so you want to do this at the right time. So he rec probably reckoned between 25 and 30, make a decision. Whether you, you want to be, if, you, if you're even thinking about being a lifelong celibate, then the idea is not, if you, is to live in an ashram. It's not like if somebody's living outside doing it. Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.